NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, welcome back to Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Wednesday evening. John Taylor is not at the beach in upstate New York. No, he is in upstate New York, but not in not at the beach. You've got something behind you. What does the text say, John Taylor? Uh, it says, this is something, I'm, I'm at my sister's place. It yes. says, uh, freaking Beacon Weekend. I, I like that. Because the town I'm in is uh, Beacon, Beacon New okay. York to be exact. There you go. This, this, Very cool. this show goes on the road all the time now. This really is a roadshow. You've been it all is. over the place over the last month. It's I I've been everywhere, man. Cross mm-hmm. the deserts, bear, man. I came and do the New York City for you because you're not in New York City right now. I'm in upstate New York. <laughs> if we want to go that way, there you go. Uh, that's good. Good food thus far. Is there a lot of good local spots in upstate yeah, New York? What is there lo- to do in upstate good local New York? Spot. I mean, it's it's just kind of a nice outdoorsy. Uh, getaway place, place. yeah kind of a getaway thing and then plenty of good place to eat good local food yeah there you go. yeah you seem relaxed john taylor is relaxed right now it's it's hard not to be when you're away from the hustle and bustle of the big city mm-hmm. you know trying to scrape by to make ends meet or whatever the thing is but uh yeah it's it's just it's nice out here it's it's comfy there you go John, you know what it's time for. You know we have to kick off all these shows during the regular Major League Baseball regular season that yes. we're going to do. We talked about it. God forbid. I assume Fangraphs is not going to be mad. Your place of employment, John Taylor. But it's time for Take Graphs. It's time for Take Graphs. That feels John, like it should have like a, a, a sound introduction. Have we talked about this already? We, like we talked about it last week. Yeah. We, it, it is a I'm sound still int- feeling that. It's just because it feels very talk radio-y. Like it the, does. The t- because well, it's about it's about takes. It is about takes and, and take and taken graphs and graphs taken. It's mm-hmm. I I'm thinking some kind of like like ding like at a boxing bell like ding 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 <laughs> and then like you hear the sound of someone just getting punched in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Take graphs. There you go. You got to make it visceral. I have a take graph for you. Okay. My microphone just fell. Off. That's great. <laughs> there you go. There's there's my take. I I need a better mic stand. What is what is your opening take? You can never have a new, a, enough starting pitching, John Taylor. That is something that you think going into the year, that's my take grasp for this week, is like, look, Dylan Dodd, struggling of late. Ian Anderson now out for the year with Tommy John. It's going to be the Bryce show, probably in that five spot. Soroka still, wait and see. Kyle Wright on the, the IL. Well, Kyle, I mean, Wright just came back, although he, did, he looked pretty bad. Well, I meant like just start off the year. Like, you oh, just start think, off the year, yeah, yeah. Like in the last... Three weeks, basically, this interchangeable group of starting pitchers for the Braves 
have not been available or have not been good. And you go back and through and you're like, because coming into the year, you're like, there's just so many options, like seven, eight deep. And you, this is why you have, and it's like, suddenly it's not that deep and you're kind of a little nervous. Like, it's just kind of amazing in baseball. You can never feel comfortable with the amount of young, talented arms that you have because it's just, it can change so quickly. True. I think that is... I think that is just the reality for every team to a certain degree. Like you just can't have enough pitchers get hurt. That is also Mm -hmm. just the reality of baseball pitchers get hurt. And excuse me. And my take was actually going to be related to that, which is I think the Cardinals do not make the playoffs this season. Oh, this is a stronger. This is a so, scorcher. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready this week. Come I'm, at him, best fans in baseball. He, make so, the case, John Taylor. Here is take graphs through one, two weeks of the Major League Baseball season. And the reason I think that is because the Cardinals have nowhere near enough starting pitching. And I think that mm. has become pretty clearly obvious just through the start of the season. And look, some of the stuff like, is Miles Mikolas going to carry an ERA over 10 the rest of the season? No. Mm. Is Steven Matt's going to carry an ERA over 8 the rest of the season? No. Like is, but at the same time, like Jordan Montgomery's got an ERA. I mean, Jordan Montgomery's the staff leader of this of this rotation right now, which one does not say very much about the rest of the staff. I love Jordan Montgomery, but he's not mm. he's not a number one pitcher. Uh, Jake Flaherty's got a or Jake Flaherty, Jack Flaherty's got a 180 ERA, but 13 walks and in 10 innings. His velocity is still pretty off and on. It seems like coming back from injury, his control clearly is nowhere to be found right now. Yeah, and they, even though you get again, Mikolas and Mats are not guys who are going to carry ERAs in the double digits all season. They're also not guys who you're going to expect to put anything up really better than back end of the rotation numbers. There's not an ace ceiling for those guys. Those guys mm-hmm. are more dependable innings eaters at this point than they are really, you know, quality starters. So I think, you know, you look at St. Louis, you look at what they have in their system. I mean, I know Adam Wainwright's on the injured list right now, but if they're, you know, if they're a plan for future success as a 41 year old dude who throws 87 miles an hour, like. That's not necessarily, I don't think that's the answer either, you know? Look at this Cardinals rotation as it stands once Wainwright's back. Wainwright, Mikolas, Montgomery, Matt's Flaherty. Is that a playoff team to you? In any other division, no. In and that, the is, NL Central, that is the wild card here. Yeah. Say, of, of sorts, that this is the NL Central. But, and I don't know if anyone else who wants to win the NL Central this season outside of the St. Louis Cardinals. I will say, I mean, the Brewers are off to a good start. They're eight and yeah. three. Uh, our play, like, okay, our playoff odds. Uh, we now have the Brewers finishing eighty-seven wins, so one, and the Cardinals with eighty-six. Brewers have a forty-nine percent chance to win the division, then the Cardinals a forty percent. In case you're curious, the Cubs bring up the rear at seven. Mm. Um, both the Cardinals and Brewers have about a one in five shot of winning the wild card if they don't win the division. So that gives the Brewers about a 69% chance of the playoffs and the Cardinals about 62%. But with the Brewers, I know that Corbin Burns has got off to a weird start. I know they just put Brandon Woodruff on the injured list with some, uh, seems to be some shoulder inflammation of, of some sort. You know, I know that's not a lineup that goes very deep, but assuming they're both healthy and productive, I think you feel a lot better about a rotation that has Burns and Woodruff and literally it doesn't matter behind them ultimately than you do again about Wainwright and Mikolas and Montgomery and Mattson Flaherty. That just, that does not feel like a group that's going to get through the season one fully intact because those, none of those guys also have uh, with the exception of Montgomery, I think have particularly sterling injury histories at this point. And two, again, this is not a group you're where you're looking at a bunch of guys, you're projecting them for, you know, ERAs around three or something. This is, a lot of middle of the rotation guys, if not end of the rotation guys at this point. And, you know, part of me wonders, okay, you know, what, what if anything can St. Louis do about this? Because 
you know, there are only two real ways that they're going to be able to bolster that group. It's either going to be calling up guys from the minors or it's going to be making a trade. But when you look at St. Louis's uh, top, you know, pitching options, they do have Matthew Liberatore, who is, uh, you know, been kicking around as a high prospect in their system for a few years now since they got him from the Rays. I have to imagine at some point, uh, particularly if, say, Mikolas or Mats or Flaherty continue to struggle, that maybe they give Liberatore a shot. But beyond that, you know, you're looking at Dakota Hudson, who is a very much a been there, done that situation with the Cardinals, who just does not uh, just have the kind of stuff to succeed. I think in today's game, throws a lot, just relies on a lot of contact and a lot of uh, luck on balls in play that, you know, that that's a rough that's a rough way to try to get by nowadays. You know, otherwise, you know, in terms of potential starting uh, potential pitching options, maybe their first rounder from 2018, Michael McGreevy, but he's down Mm -hmm. to double A right now. He's. You know, I don't think that the Cardinals are necessarily going to jump him if he, you know, unless he really, really shows something. You know, Tank Hentz, one of their top prospects pitching-wise, but, you know, he's all the way down in high A. I don't think they're necessarily in any rush to push him up. So then if the other route is trades, well, the Cardinals don't really make big trades for pitchers. You know, they make trades for guys like Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does, and at the same time, like, I... I mean, it's probably too early to think about the trade market, or at least who would theoretically be available. But I I just don't know where that impact arm is going to come from for St. Louis at this point, assuming that their trade deadline this year is similar to last, where it's, you know, they're not really pushing the chips in to make a a, a big addition. So if I'm the Cardinals or if I'm Cardinals, I'm worried because that, again, that is a bad starting rotation right now. And I don't really see where all the upside comes from. Well, you know what it comes from is uh, Milwaukee being like, whoa, 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 we're winning too many games here. Yeah, uh, slow St. it Louis. down here, guys. <laughs> Let's settle uh, they don't it even down. sound like that up there. Yeah. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, uh, would you like to go a little bit south to St. Louis? Would you like to play in a playoff game? Like, let, that's what they Wouldn't do. Wouldn't that just be the sickest thing imaginable for... <laughs> this is take graphs, John Taylor. I know, but does it have to be so cruel? Like, the, what have the good people of Milwaukee done to deserve this? I just, I'm not convinced Milwaukee's going to keep this thing going. That Look, I, I don't, I'm not saying Milwaukee is uh, a World Series favorite or even, they're, you know, they're barely even the division favorite right now, yeah. despite the fact that St. Louis is a terrible rotation. I just think that this is not necessarily, and, and I know NL Central is the, is the perpetual joke. I just don't really think that this rotation is good enough to get you even to the top of that division. You know, mm. that that just does not feel like a playoff caliber rotation. And, and I, when I say that, I don't mean, mean I mean beyond like none of those guys are guys you're comfortable starting in a postseason game. It's I don't know if that team, if that rotation gets you to the postseason without some, you know, either some real turnaround from guys who you're not expecting it from or some kind of really big impact uh, de- like fr- from Liberator or from uh, or from a big trade that, again, this team has just not shown the propensity to make in, in deadlines past. I like it. I was not expecting cards miss the playoffs and take graphs here. This is what we're looking for, John. I like this. The takes are coming out. I mean, look, it's we, we got to if we're going to do takes, let's do takes. The team that never misses the postseason going to miss the postseason. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Here's like a I take. stole your line. You heard it here first, folks. You heard this here first, folks. You may not have seen this. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but the Tampa Bay Rays are refusing to lose a baseball game. They're already they up 3 nothing. Yeah, they're not going to lose a baseball game before this is over. John, the Rays are breaking records now. It is now becoming, it's no longer a bit. The Tampa Bay Rays are like, what if we clinch the AL East by July? Like, what if we just go ahead and do that? 
I mean, look, it, it, it's it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility at this point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. granted, any time a team wins 11 games in a row, be it at the start of the season, the end of the season, the middle of the season, whatever, it's going to improve your chances of making the postseason. Mm-hmm. The Rays at 11-0 right now, uh, I just want to note, projected now via our, our project, or through our projections, 93 wins, uh, 50% chance to win the division. That is 21 points higher than the Yankees at this point. Mm-hmm. 50% chance, essentially, to clinch the number one spot in the American League. Uh, 92.1% chance to, to make it to the postseason. And the second... No, I'm sorry. I take the, Yes, the second highest World Series odds on our board right now, 10.9%, right be, behind the Braves at 16.1, and right ahead of the Padres at 107 by our, by our measurements, the, the Rays are already projected to be essentially the third best team in baseball. Mm. And look, like, again, you win 11 straight games in a row, looking like it's a, it's gonna, it might be 12 tonight. You've probably earned something along those lines, but this this team is legit. This team is absolutely illegitimate. You already see it with the starting pitching. You see what the impact of having a healthy Wander Franco is in the lineup with having uh, a you know the Randy Rosa having one of his spurts. One of those dudes where when he's locked in, he's locked in, and he is the re- he is the reason it's three nothing right now. Um, a healthy they Brandon Lau starting right now. Tosh Bradley's making his debut for the Rays. He is, and then and then they have that farm system too. Yeah. Can, can, uh, contributing what it does like I I and look I I know you you know we when we talk about the Rays you make the point and I don't listen to it damn near often enough that this is just what they do and they make a habit of it and blah blah mm-hmm. like and you're right this is this is one of those reminders that the Rays at the end of the day are just perpetually one of the best organizations in baseball when it comes to doing this stuff yeah and I'm gonna shift into take mode here a reminder that oh my god what could this team do if it spent money Oh, no. Imagine what this team would look It'd like if the they Rays, tried John. harder. It'd ruin their ethos. It would ruin the Rays. This is, this is, my, this is my philosophical issues with, issue with the Rays, is that they've made mm. cheapness an ethos. And I yeah. hate that. I despise that. I hate the idea of winning, not, be, not because necessarily you are the smart team, because they are mm. a smart team, and I don't think anyone doubts that at this point. I don't think there's anyone in baseball who thinks they've the Rays are... everyone getting plucked from their front office. Like that's the most important part about. Yeah, the, our... the fact they, the fact that they've survived as much brain drain as they have yes. is truly impressive. But beyond that, it's like to me, it's like it, it valorizing the way they do it inherently valorizes not spending to a yeah. certain degree. Or I think at the very least, it allows you to make an excuse for them not spending. It's like, oh well, they don't need to. Imagine if they did. I just wish Rob Manfred just came out and was like. Only the Rays are allowed because they've proven they can be really good and they're better. You trying to be the Rays is not going to work because only the Rays can do this well for 20 years. No one else can. You can try, but you don't have the brain trust. You don't have the development. You don't have it. The Rays have that it factor. But I would also love the Stuart Sternberger. What is his name? Stu Sternberg, the uh, principal owner. I want a Tampa Bay Times front page of like, you wanted us to spend... See what happened when we didn't. We don't spend. Like I want that to be the take of just like you really want to wreck. Well, that, but this? that's the thing. You that want to wreck they, this good thing we have. Going. But that's the thing. They go. They 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 go out to lunch on that on that fact. Like, yeah. On the fact that they hey we're doing it without spending. It's like that's not you can't call them on it. They, they win. But I, I, to me, it's like I understand that. But there's also something I think deeper at a deeper philosophical and to a certain degree labor level of like I don't like celebrating cheapskates. Yeah. And the Rays are a cheapskate franchise when it comes to like maintaining a roster. Look, look, are they as bad as the A's or the Pirates or the Red? No, like those teams yeah. are a different level of cheap. Those teams are like actively antagonistic toward the idea of like even trying. Yeah. The Rays 
for everything, they are trying. My frustration with them perpetually is it wouldn't cost that much more relative to the situation in Tampa and what everything is. And I understand it's, it's all crap down there in terms of there, no one goes to the games and, you know, whatever. Small mark, whatever. How much more would it cost to bump the ceiling of this team from 93 wins to 98? What if they really, really do this year? What if this is the year, John? This is the deadline because they're so good and they're so far ahead that this is like, oh, I think we're very much the best team in the AL. I think we might be the very best team in baseball. Let's for one year go all in and really, really spin. What if they go full Florida Marlins a little bit? See, what what I think if anything, a big advantage in if they're up big, and at this point they are up big in the, mm. in the division, uh, and if they go up bigger and really do solidify themselves as the number one seed, I, I think they make a move, but I just don't think they're going to make that big flash move that like the Dodgers would or something, or that the Yankees would. But what if they did, John? I mean, if they did, look, I'll, I'll eat but all my leave words if they actually do it. some room for magic, John Taylor. But I just think that the particular way this team is, is hyper-focused on, like, no, this is the way, and we stick to that way, and it doesn't matter what we could do otherwise, which, yeah. hey, it works for them. I just, for the sake of, I don't know, I guess for the sake of Rays fans who, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. I think Rays fans are, for the most part, happy with what this team does. I do wonder if there are, is a vocal subset of fans that are just like spend more spend more yeah i don't know it's like who knows i i don't know ray's fans so i can't say for sure i just i do wonder that but look they they certainly don't need it now though i mean again they're 11 and 0 and looking on like they're on their way to 12 and 0 you know it's it's really impressive what they're doing so far and granted uh granted nine of those games have come against three teams that are going to be th- probably the three worst teams in baseball in detroit washington and oakland yeah. Maybe not Oakland, but Detroit and Washington are well, neck Hold on, they got your Red Sox tonight, John. That's just no. So then you go, there you go, four straight series against bad teams. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, but at the same time, like, wins are wins, numbers are numbers, and bad teams win, even the worst team in baseball wins at least, like, 60 games a year, you know? It, it, it's not impossible. Besides, this is what a good team does, beats up yeah. on bad teams. The last time the Rays won the division, it's because they beat the Orioles 18 times <laughs> in 19 games. That's what you're supposed to do as a really good team. Beat up yeah. on the bad ones, and they're doing that. So, man, you did know. you see uh, Sarah Sp- uh, Sarah Langs on Twitter? She tweeted out most home runs in team in team's first twelve games of the season. The 2019 Mariners at 32, the most all time. 2000 Cardinals, speak of the devil, 31. <laughs> the 2023 Tampa Bay Rays have 30. Did you I mean, like? Did you have this power for on this roster coming into the year? It would have required, a, and I think this is what I said in terms of the key for the Rays, you know, getting to or, you know, being contenders, a healthy Wander Franco and a healthy Brandon Lau. Those are the two yeah. most important pieces, I think, that are really making the difference between last year and this year, because those are two teams that you just can't, or two teams, two players that they just couldn't find replacements for, and understandably so. And it means now that you, instead of, you know, guys like Isaac Paredes or Taylor Walls or, or Josh, Lowe, Josh Lowe, I guess it, I, mm. I they have all the lows and lows. Yeah, there's a uh, low and a low, and I don't know which one's which. And I just, I, I think, honestly, they need to hyphenate the back of the jersey. They need to guy, do. Yeah, I think I, they need to hyphenate. What is the term? They need to put a pronunci- they put the phonetic, Yeah, they need to put yeah. phonetic marks on the yeah. back of the jersey so we know which is which. Mm. Um, regardless, it means that those guys can go back to being complementary role players, which is what they're better at anyway. Instead of being overexposed as starters, like you don't yeah. want Isaac Paredes taking 500 plate appearances in a season. You want him taking 350 leveraged against you know the kind of pitchers he's be- he's better able to hit and playing at positions that are better for him. Yeah, this is what makes that. This is part of what makes that happen. A healthy, healthy Wander Franco, healthy Brandon Lau makes all the difference for the Rays. 
who still, by the way, are about to get Tyler Glasnow back. He's so that's something. Too. That's something. Look, apparently someone in Tampa must always be uh, cute. And if it's not going to be sexy, stupid Kiermaier, it's <laughs> or stupid, sexy Kiermaier, rather, it's got to be it's got to be uh, Tyler Glasnow. And look, I for me it was like is that when a thing? Got did you just hurt. make that up, or is that so? Like, did people say that about him? I think it's a I think it's a baseball Twitterism. Stupid, okay. sexy Kiermaier. <laughs> um, for me, it's like I, I thought the the Glasnow injury was going to be the thing that that kind of eliminated what potential like. You know that the, the Rays were already at a, such a thin margin for error, given where they, given the division they were in, that it's like you can't really survive losing six to eight weeks of your best pitcher. Arguably, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. Well, they have Shane McClanahan also, so it's a very much an ace one A, ace one B. And you know, I'll take McClanahan over over Glass now at this point. But regardless, one of your best pitchers missing that much time in a division that that's that's that loaded, that tough, where you know every win counts. I thought that was going to be a real, maybe not death sentence for them, but at least like that might make the difference. Lo and behold, they just turned Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs into the two best pitchers in baseball just on their own. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's just uncanny what this team can do, what they can turn. You know, it's not even trash into treasure because that's not really fair to guys like Rasmussen and Springs. But to say it's anything into treasure, it is it is just it, it is they have they have discovered alchemy. They have figured it out. They can turn whatever they want into gold. It's really something crazy. Go Rays, man. Go Rays. I've it's, never been to the stadium. I need to go before it's eventually torn down. Have you been to Tropicana? No. I, I, there are many things I would rather do than, <laughs> than attend a baseball game in the haunted Tupperware that is Tropicana Field. I just want to know if it's that bad. Like, I want to feel it. I want to see if it's actually that bad of an experience. Like, is it that bad of a stadium? Is it that How many bad? times do you think that's been said in Florida? I just want to see how bad of an experience <laughs> this is. A lot, John. It's uh, a Florida tradition. Uh, tradition unlike any other um scariest injury development for a team this week i think this could be a fun weekly series where like the, uh, at this rate it's gonna be yeah Boy, uh, because people are getting injured here. though john but the yes. number one for you that you look at this what this does to this team and where you're and just kind of scares you a little bit about what happens next now uh, I think Corey Seager with Texas that just mm. happened today. He's going to be out for at least the next month with a hamstring strain. That's not a not a light one. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, you have to be ex- extremely careful. Like that means he might not be right the rest of the season because you have to be other so careful. You have to be careful. This is hamstrings are a perpetual issue for Seager. In one mm. sense, you can say, well, at least he got the strain out of the way early. But Texas, a team that definitely a top heavy team, both rotation yeah. and lineup wise. Obviously, no easy replacement for Seager at third base, or not at third base for them, sorry. Has, um, has he been more shortstop or third base so far? That's a good question. I don't know if top man. Yeah, I, it's funny. I should, <laughs> I, in my head, I was like, Corey Seager's still a shortstop and always will be forever, but without even bothering to check what exactly he's been doing in that Texas. Because part of me is like, okay, they'll just move Marcus, Seager, Marcus Semien over. But regardless, at this point, like, you know. He's been playing, he's been playing short, mostly. Okay. So yeah. you move Mar- you can move Marcus Semien over to short, but that is more likely than not a defensive downgrade in that sense. Plus, yeah. regardless, you're losing you're losing Seager's bat for four plus weeks in the lineup, and Texas just doesn't really have another hitter around to be able to take that load up. So, again, uh, for a team like Texas, where every win, every you know, every marginal win is that much more important because of where they are in the greater American League standings, um, you know, and off to an you know to a pretty good start at seven and four, they're on top of the division. And noteworthy, too, because the Astros just do not look right right now. Mm. Um, I think that the, you know, and this is, you know, the Astros don't necessarily, their injury problems came before the start of the season uh, in regards to Altuve, whose loss has really thinned out that lineup. 
Hmm. It, it's kind of frightening. You watch the Astros, and granted, you know, they just put up seven runs on the Pirates today. They've looked pretty good recently. But the, back, the, the bottom half of that lineup is really not a whole big thing to for opposing pitchers to get through. So there, I think there is actually some daylight in the in the division. I mean, the, the Astros are still the, are, are odds on favorite at 45%, but note that that's just 45%. Both the Angels and the Rangers are right around 23% to win the division. That's not nothing. And our projected wins total right now, Houston 87, uh, Texas 84, Angels, well, both of them at 83.6 uh, and .7, so rounded up to 84. But regardless, that division is looks pretty tight right now. And yeah. four weeks without Seager is going to be really, really hard for Texas to go without. On the other end of the spectrum, I'd say that, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting that Pittsburgh, even though they have gotten off to a good start, was going to Poor be a real Cruz, contender. man. That's the thing. For him to lose basically the entire year, such, not a, such an important year for him development-wise, yeah. uh, to you know, especially given how he was looking early. It looked like he had... You know, he was swinging, uh, chasing less, uh, you know, taking better swings, showing better play patience. Now that's all going to be lost for the season. And to say nothing of Pittsburgh, too, to lose the the most dynamic guy in that lineup, the dude who really makes that lineup dangerous to, to any The reason degree. to watch and go to the, the ballpark. Re- yeah, the reason to be there at those games, at least right now, that is just such a hard blow. And it's, uh, on top of it all, to do it because he just took an awful-looking slide. Yeah. You know, it's just, he, I, I don't know... If you watch him on that play, he starts inside, then outside, and then just kind of falls over as he's yeah. like, really just, uh, just terrible. The odds were low of something like that ever happening. Exactly, and and yet it did, and yeah. it, it's such a bad blow for Pittsburgh and, and Cruz. You know, again, obviously not a team that we were expecting to contend, but um, you know, that's it. Just stinks. It just stinks all the way around. John, we're gonna play a game. Okay. We're gonna guess what the Astros' record was through thirteen games the last four years. You ready? Okay. Two thousand twenty. Guess what it was? Eight and five. Six and seven. Okay. 2021, guess what it was? Seven and six. Very close. Six and seven. Okay. John, 2022, guess what it was? I really hope it's six and seven. It was six and seven, John. Okay. Wow. This is just a thing they do. That's what they do. Four years in a row. This is (laughs) what they do. And I and look, I guess like I said, it's only been thirteen games, and at the same time, of six and seven start has has only been enough to knock the Astros down to just under fifty percent to win the division in our mm. odds. Like they still have, by our estimation, at least a three game cushion in terms of projected wins. Like they're still in good shape. Yeah, it's just I look at that roster, particularly the bottom half of that lineup with with no uh, with no Altuve, and I guess also no Brantley, because mm. you know that does make some difference. And just saying, boy, that they really feel a bat short. And a yeah. lot of this, I think, is going to hinge on Jose Abreu. You know, someone who hasn't really looked very good so far. The numbers are okay, but most in part because he's got a batting average on balls in play of like 480 or something. You know, that's that's not a number he's going to keep up, obviously. So I'm really interested to see what Abreu gives them. Because, I mean, Bregman, Tucker, Alvarez, Altuve, assuming he comes back all right from the broken thumb, that's as good a top four as any team can put together in in, in either league. The, again, the hinge is going to be a Abreu, because without that, the bottom half of that lineup gets real thin real fast. Also, agree. if Chaz McCormick keeps up the hot streak. But that's that, I think that's less of... I think in terms of the Astros lineup, Abreu is the big one. McCormick is kind of like an extra... Ooh, that would be nice. And, you know, an interesting the interesting reality, too, that Houston just really has never found a replacement for George Springer since he left. And it'd be, I think, good for them if, if McCormick is starting to show, yeah, I can be that guy. That's true. Um, John, yes. we're going to go Chicago north side, south side for our two-week uh, team check-in here. Okay. Let's go Cubs first. 
Let, Dansby's go, Cubs, fired go. up. Most times I see him, Dansby's Why doing stuff and just he's a fired up guy. He's, a, he's, he's 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 pumped, pumped and jacked. When we were talking about, it, it's not a good sign though. When we were talking about the NL Central, and it's like it just the Brewers are in the lead, the Cardinals missing the playoffs. No mention of the Cubs. We even mentioned the Pirates here. The Cubs are just nowhere to be found, John. I think their odds of making the playoffs are like six percent right now. About seven percent. Yeah. Our, our our odds for them are. Seven percent to win the division. It's about seventeen percent to make the playoffs. So not, not great, but you know, they're not they're not among the early contenders by our estimation. No. Well, what have you seen from the Cubs in the last week, or what makes you think less? What has surprised you? What What is uh, the biggest thing? I mean, we should also mention Ian Happ just got paid three years, sixty one million. He did, um, and I think at least in terms of that, that's a move they kind of had to make because there's yeah. not really any outfield help coming up through that system and. It's funny, like, Hap was going to be one of the better bats available in free agency, which I say not as much as, like, a slight on Hap, but just to note that beyond Otani, you're not really getting much in the way of hitting this offseason. Yeah. Um, between Rafael Devers signing his extension, Manny Machado signing his extension, you know, those were two, the, probably the two biggest potential free agents who would have been there. Uh, Hap, I was, Hap was set to make a nice payday, and he did get one from Chicago, but I think for on their side of things, that's something they had to do. You know, there's... There's uh, the the slow progress of Brennan Davis, interrupted by all the injuries he suffered, have really kind of put a dent in their outfield plans. I know Pete Crow Armstrong is uh, ascending rapidly up the rankings, but at the same time, I think he's just, I think he only reached double A for a cup of coffee last year. Mm. Um, not a guy I think they're going to be counting on to be ready in 24. If he comes up, great. But, you know, again, not something you can really bank on. And I mean, look, look at the, the Cubs outfield situation right now. I mean, they're starting Miles Mastroboni and Trey Mancini, although he's mostly DHing. You know, Nelson Velasquez, who granted had a great game when he came up at a grand slam. Very cool for him. But, you know, not a team that has a lot of outfield talent around right now. The Cody Bellinger experiment is off to a very slow start, as I think a lot of people kind of expected. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, re-signing Hap is, is a smart move for them. I don't really know that. And, I, and one that I don't think really, again, Chicago had any real other option here. But, you know. Well, they've I, also extended. So you have Hap. You have Suzuki, Nico Horner. And I should note, that's, that's a good point. There that's a good point that Suzuki is there. He's just injured right now. And yeah. he will be, you know, it looks like he should be back by the end of the month. You know, so you're so that's the thing. Your core right now, if if Hap is at least part of that short window right now, it's and and it makes sense ageless because you got Swan Dansby who's 29, mm-hmm. Hap is 28, mm-hmm. uh, Nico Horner's 26, Suzuki is I believe 28 or at the very least, you know, he's he's within that range too. Right. Um, you know, if they ever get anything on Nick Madrigal, well, he's 26, so now's the time. Uh, Justin Steele is 27, Hayden Wisniewski is 25. Uh, Keegan Thompson, who's been one of their better relievers, is 28. You know, there there is some young talent here that they can start to build around. And as I said before, it feels like a million times the Cubs do have some talent in the minors. It's just going to take a bit to get here for them. So I think it makes sense for them to kind of it's like lock in this 20, this late 20 something core that they can, uh, and you know, otherwise kind of keep churning the middle of the free agent market to see if they can get guys like like Marcus Stroman, like Jamison Tyon who can just kind of step in for a few years, take some innings because their pitching development really, again, has as as same as kind of their, th- that, that lull period between the the, the, win, the World Series win and really kind of the last two years of the Cubs farm system really did go fallow for a bit there uh, to see if they can start, you know, using those guys as bridges to the pitching talent that they're trying to develop. But I, I think ultimately that, that just remains the thing for me with Chicago is just the pitching is just not really there for them. You know, there is a lot of reliance on guys like Drew Smiley right now. 
or on you know or, or that's on certainly a name to be relying on in 2023 or in hoping that 31 year old Jamison Tyon hasn't has a an, uh, different gear other than you know tantalizing four starter you know Wisniewski is off to a very difficult start and while I think yeah. he'll be better than what he's shown at the same time he's a 25 year old pitcher who you know his his major league experience was all of however many innings he pitched last year 30 or 40 yeah. something you know this isn't a that's not a, again there are not a lot of reliable options in this bullpen it really is market or in this bullpen in the rotation rather also in the bullpen that is another problem that the Cubs have but so yeah. one that hasn't really shown itself that much so far um the basic thing with the Cubs, and I think you saw it last night against the Mariners in a wackadoodle game between these two teams, mm. uh, they're going to have to hit their way to a lot of wins. You know, on the exceptions when Stroman is on the mound for the most part, um, you know, and he he held he, he held Seattle to two runs and I believe six innings today. Although the yeah. uh, Brad Boxberger out of the bullpen got hit up pretty bad. Um, you know, it's it's gonna any pitching success is gonna have to rely on Justin Steele. This that this is you know a, a new a new level for him, or Wisniewski taking that step forward and being consistent, or Tyon finding that different gear, or Smiley managing to turn back the clock. There just there are a lot of ifs there that I don't necessarily feel too comfortable with when it comes to when it comes to Chicago. That it puts them in the position like yeah, they're gonna have to hit their way to a lot of wins. And while I think you know I believe in Dansby as a hitter, I believe in Happ as a hitter. I think Nico Horner is a good young hitter. At the same time, like Patrick Wisdom is a, you know, one of those true all or nothing mashers who, you know, every lineup has them, it feels like. But again, there, there's not a lot of depth here and there's not really anything coming from the minors yet. You're holding on to the hope that Eric Hosmer turns back the clock, that Bellinger figures something out, that Mancini, uh, I guess, returns to being kind of closer to what he was as an Oriole than what he showed with Houston. Which you know, is that, possible. Which is possible. I mean, but that's that's probably, I guess, one of the more high probability things is that Mancini is a little bit better. But at the same time, he's 31. You know, there some guy, some of those guys just hit that hit that wall at that in once they turn 30, and it's just it just for some reason is over for them. And Mancini is a guy who is, you know, really a bat only player at this point. Not a dude you can play at first base or in the outfield without worrying about the defensive uh, repercussions. You know, he's there's no real value to him if he's not hitting. That's a guy they kind of need to, you know, to get in gear if there's if there's going to be anything going with this Cubs team. But I, I just think ultimately there's just not enough top end talent there, and that there is no real reinforcements coming. It, they, they honestly, the Cubs I wonder remind if the me... front office though, and Jed Hoyer is going to read the room right. I don't know if you've been keeping up, but Cubs fans are electric. Did you see the comeback and just how the fans were receiving? Well, that's, like, and this... that's the thing. If you, a good Cubs team will always do well, like yeah. will always do well with the fans. And it doesn't take, it doesn't feel like it takes that much to win those fans back over in that sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, to a certain degree, maybe they're buying stuff like Stroman and Tyon and Suzuki as being like, Oh, at least they're trying now. But yeah, Honestly, I find the Red Sox in a kind of similar position as the Cubs. Mm. I find those teams kind I of think in Cubs similar are in a better places. spot. I don't know. Cubs are probably, I think, in a somewhat better spot. But I think, I think there's a lot of similarities in terms of an ownership group that seems to have gone weirdly tone deaf at the same mm. time as it's decided to stop spending. A roster that just doesn't really feel complete, and where you're, it feels like you're kind of two two-ish years away from the real talent that they're developing in the minors. And, you know, a sense that any real contention resolves or revolves around a lot of ifs, you know, a lot of conditionals, yeah. like a lot of a lot of guys bouncing back or finding new levels where you, you know, you look at the names and you're like, is there really another level again to Jamison Tyon or is, is this more about 170 pretty OK innings? Because if that's what you're going to get, that's fine. But you need more than that. And the Cubs don't really have more than that. And I think the Red Sox are in a similar place. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I think that they're an interesting wild card team to watch in the NL Central. I just think 
I'm very curious to see if they get more aggressive at the deadline and they just continually get a little bit more and more aggressive. But I also don't know what kind of arms are going to be available. Like, I don't know what kind of big top of the rotation guys that are going to be out there. That are I, gonna... I just, I, I don't see, the thing is, I don't see this team being a top of the rotation arm away unless that lineup really is able to hold this up for a full season. And I, I find that pretty hard to believe too. Because, yeah. again, the guys... The guys who are hitting well right now, like Dan's, like like Dansby and Nico Horner, like I believe that it, yeah. it's more guys like Hosmer or uh, or some of the older pieces in that lineup, or kind of the more the fill-in guys. Those are the guys where I don't know if you can count on that for a full season. Uh, John, yes, Stroman's five and zero with a .56 ERA over his last home five home starts at Wrigley. He clearly likes pitching in Chicago, that's for sure. Yes, he does. Um, on the other side, the south side here, the Chicago oh, White boy. Sox, John Taylor. Um, they keep getting injured. Eloy Jimenez, he's also dealing with hammy issues. I, It is April 12th, so I don't want to do this too soon. But in our spotlight here with the White Sox, I think we can wave the, the white flag. I've I think been, it's I, mean, look, I don't think I, it's happening. I was out on them from the very beginning. I don't think they're... I didn't... I don't think they're a playoff team. I have not thought they're a playoff team. I continue not to think they're a playoff team because you know what? This is not a playoff team. Look at them. They're not a playoff team. Like they have not been one because this, this front office for whatever reason refuses to do the things to make a team better. I I, I don't know if you watched today's game against the twins, but uh, Gavin Sheets playing right field because for some (laughs) reason, this team just refuses to get enough functional outfielders to, to put all of them in the lineup at once. Mm. Lost a fly ball so badly. That <laughs> oh, I'm looking at it right now. It's I just pulled it's it up. Brutal. That's it's hilarious. Just brutal. That's like, so sad. That's something f- you see in Major League Baseball. It's something you, in Little League. Yeah, and it's like Gavin Sheets is a good hitter. He would be a. He's a perfectly <laughs> fine DH. He shouldn't be in the outfield. Why is he in the outfield? Because the the White Sox just refuse to learn their lessons. They just oh, they refuse to. They've learn had that this hole need... in right field forever, and they the refuse fun- to address it. And the funny thing is, like, they were all very happy with, uh, you know, Oscar Colas as, as the guy who was going to fill that 24-year-old former Cuban, or former Cuban, 24-year-old <laughs> uh, former top prospect out of Cuba, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that they're very, they were very high on. That dude has two walks and 44 plate appearances. Mm. He, has a, he has an OPS plus of 99. That's fine, but it's like, that could not have been option A. You know, that that's option like C. That's like that's like if if Colas gives us something, great, but that's not a guy we're gonna rely on. Here they are relying on it. It it, it just boggles the mind that this is what Ch- Chicago refuses to learn from the things that go wrong. I don't understand it. I I flat out do not, unless this is a situation where Jerry Reinsdorf really is calling all the shots behind the behind closed doors or something. That's really that this feels like the only explanation to me at this point. Because I don't understand how you can watch this team or how you could have watched this team over the last uh, two seasons now, uh, two seasons going into this one, so this now season three, making the same mistakes over and over again, producing the same results over and over again, not getting any better at the spots where they continue to be bad and think and, and just feel like, how can a front office not see this and do differently? It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, when you're when you're throwing Gavin, and I know Gavin Sheets isn't the full time right fielder. He's out there. He was out there today because they needed someone to play right field because you know you need you need to fill all nine positions or what have you. He is just a backup. But at the same time, like how like how do you not have better than him as your backup outfield option? How can that be it? How are you starting Hanser Alberto in games that matter, and in the sense that every game matters, you know? Because yeah. again, like Tim Anderson, a guy who has proven at this point pretty consistently that he cannot stay healthy for a full 162 game season, is in fact injured again. And your backup choice 
is, well, essentially it's moving Elvis Andrews from second to short, but one, that's not great on its own. And two, that means you're now playing Hanser Alberto on the regular? Yeah. Romy Gonzalez? I appreciate that the White Sox at least called up Lennon Sosa because they want to see what one of their genuine prospects can actually do. But of course, the first night they call him up, they start Romy Gonzalez instead. Yeah. It, it's just, it is kind of just baffling how this team does stuff. It makes no sense. They're playing Jake Berger at third base. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Why on earth are you doing that? That's yeah. not a thing you should do. It, it's, and I'm, I, I feel, it feels weird because I'm not a White Sox fan. I'm getting this worked up. But it's just, <coughs> it's me. not a good time to be a sock. No, White not Sox, Red Sox. It's not a good time to be a sock. Look, it's, and it's and and look, this team has enough problems as it is. Lance Lynn has looked really bad so far. You know, the yeah. the, the, the velocity has been down. A lot of home runs surrendered so far. He's already given up six home runs in sixteen innings, and I don't necessarily know that's going to continue. But if he's out there throwing 91, 92, then I don't necessarily know that it's going to get that much better. Michael Kopech at this point, I, I don't know if anyone in that organization knows what is either wrong with him or how to fix him. That much feels clear to me. Uh, Mike Clevenger, whatever at this point. You know, like I, I, I don't particularly want to talk about Mike Clevenger. Yeah. Lucas Giolito looked very good today, or at least better, I think, than he has looked. That, I think, is, uh, you know, when you talk about the White Sox, is probably the biggest thing where it's like, for this team to have any real chance to contend, Giolito needs to be the how he was back in 2020 and 21, not how he was last year. Um, you know, as a, and that'd be a great one too with Dylan Cease. But at the same time, it's there's not there is this team went into the season without enough pitching, and their only or went into the winter rather without enough pitching, and their only response was to get Mike Clevenger. That again, that that just tell that I don't understand that level of decision making. I don't understand how that's the conclusion you come to. We need more pitching, Mike Clevenger. That's not enough. No. And it just feels like this White Sox team perpetually just does not do enough and seems okay with that. And I. If I were a fan, that would drive me insane. It's it's drive me insane, and I'm not a fan. Like I don't understand how White Sox fans can keep going through this. You know, yeah. Um, I I do wonder at some point, like if this continues into the summer, whether or not we do start getting kind of a loud Jerry Reinsdorf sell the team uh, situation, because it's really clear that he is his ownership has not been a good thing for this franchise, at least not in the not in recent years. Bennett Carroll of uh, Sox Machine tweeted the most impressive streak though White. Uh, the White Sox are on is 13 straight years without a right fielder and just incredible stuff and again like no offense to Oscar Colas is a fine young player but like again that can't be the guy you're relying on to start the year you've got to do better than that if you if you if you plan on contending to me the damning thing is that the contract they gave Andrew Benatendi is the largest they've ever given out free agent contract they've ever given out in franchise history yeah it was 75 million dollars again that that's not serious that is ownership that is flat out not serious about contending and you know that again it just makes it the, the problem here look, i don't necessarily think rick Hahn has done a good a good job with the moves he has made anyway mm. regardless of whether or not he's been essentially forced to by reinsdorf but it, it does really feel like more and more like the problem the problem here is jerry reinsdorf you mm. know this chicago team is just stuck with an owner that just doesn't care anymore or at least doesn't care unless it it comes at a, at a, a you know at a relative co- at a relatively affordable cost to him John, we end here. Your Fangraphs piece recommendation of the week is which one? Uh, the Fangraphs piece that I like, that I have liked most this week is... We need like a, a drum roll or something mm-hmm. for this. Um, I Look at really him. He's liked... just giving me all kinds of work. You have that's two sound requests on this very program, John. You Look, want this it's... to be a radio show. We're learning John Taylor wants to do Afternoon Zoo. We... Look, if, if the people are demanding it, Mm-hmm. then I think we should give the people what they want. Yeah. 
Uh, I really loved Michael Bauman's piece this week on the Rocket City Trash Pandas. The well, hold Angels on. We don't need to do this. Affiliate. We don't need to do this. Not to my man, Ben Joyce. We don't have I to do really this. enjoyed his piece on that team blowing a... I don't... Blowing because... Look, just go read his piece about the Rocket City Trash Pandas, <laughs> their no-hitter bid, and the absolute inning from hell that your boy Ben Joyce was involved in. It's a wonderful chronicle of despair and hopelessness. Of 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 one of the one of the just more abject baseball meltdowns you'll ever see happen in the game, at any level really. Um, it's it's really special. I really enjoyed that piece. Uh, similarly, I really like Davy Andrews writing about Nate Eaton, a Royals utility infielder who came in and was throwing like 93 as a position player off the mound. Mm. Very fun stuff. He just breaks down his outing and is just Davy's. Davy's one of my favorite new additions to the site. He's just a very fun writer and he's just very good at finding the stuff in the game that is just just kind of loopy and silly like that. But so those are, I'll give you I gave you two this week. Those are my those are my Fangraphs oh, wow. articles of the week. Uh, and we, we got we got more good stuff coming. I mean, we'll have the Ian Happ extension. I'm, Alex Izard is going to write about uh, the Slambio, the the slider changeup hybrid that Ian Hamilton of the Yankees throws. Hmm. Uh, we got some Twins prospect stuff coming. It's all good. It's all good. There you go. All right, John Taylor. Thank you as always, my friend. And uh, you have yourself a great rest of your week. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.